You guys well? I guess not. You guys well? Yeah, Jen or Josh, someone. Thanks. All right, I wonder if you could go in your Bibles, please, to, uh, I think probably, let's go to Matthew 17, I think it is, we'll start there. And, um, <clears throat> but I'm going to talk to you about fasting this morning. It's a, a very interesting morning to speak about fasting. I, the morning where everybody gets an hour less sleep and winter invades all over a winter. It's like winter's a sore loser. It's on the way out and just wants to give us one last punch. And uh, so it did a good job, but, um, but it'll lose come tomorrow, so that's okay. But, um, you know, we, we started a corporate fast last night, and um, this, this fast, I've actually been working it out with the elders, um, and I've really, the elders have really taken their own time to, to pray and to, to, to think into this. So can I have those pieces of paper there, my babe? Those two sheets, thank you. And, um, yeah, I'll get that in a moment. I've got, pro- I've got some props today. Can I have the key as well? Thank you. Thanks. Your turn, Josh. Uh, sorry. Um, so we've been announcing the fast. We launched it last night with an encounter night. And it's one week long. And so I'm going to speak into fasting this morning. Again, a once-off. I don't always do that. But I, I've preached this message numerous times. And so if you've been here for any length of time, you will know, in a sense, what we're going to look at. But I encourage you, you know, to open your heart. Every, even though I preach it, every time I look at the subject, I'm moved afresh just by this gift that God gives us called fasting. It doesn't feel like a gift. It really doesn't, you know. Sometimes the greatest gifts we give our children is when we teach them things like the value for hard work or the value for truth or honesty. It doesn't feel good when they've lied, but it's a gift. Hello? Fasting is such a gift. So at the back, you can take one on your way out. This is uh, the FLC Pray and Fast for this year. And um, the elders actually, I just felt in my heart to in a sense, give it over to them. And they've come up with some of these prayer points just for us as a body. There's, they're at the back. You can grab one on the way out. And on the back, there's some practical tips and helps for fasting. But on the website, you can download this. It's a small little packet with types of fast that you can do and how long should I fast. And it's the same repeat of this, practical helps for fasting, and it's a matter of motive. That's on the website. I encourage you to download it because, thank you, because what I'm going to try to do this morning is, this normally I take four weeks to do this. So don't get nervous. Obviously, I'm not going to try to cover all the same material. So he already speaks long. Now he's trying to speak extra long. So don't get nervous. We'll leave, I assure you. But the Word of God is exhaustive. And so this subject is something that I don't find too often preached on in the West. Uh, fasting, and where I grew up, it was something that was well known to us. And uh, it is still well known to, to many of those in other nations. Not, I'm not saying it's not here, but it was just part of our conversation quite often growing up. And I didn't find that as much when I came here, and partly to my delight, because it's not fun. And, um, but it's a very powerful tool. It's very simple, extremely simple. So people say, how can you preach four weeks on fasting? It's an extremely simple subject, yet profoundly powerful profoundly powerful. It's an incredible tool that God has given us. So I want to speak about two statements that Jesus made about fasting. He made more. We'll just cover two. What is fasting? A helpful approach to fasting and why they fasted in the Bible. So the reason I do that is because it brings up faith in the heart when we see what they actually did in the Bible. And we need to partner with God in that sense with some spiritual understanding. So, two statements from Christ. Can you go to Matthew chapter 6, please? Wasn't that a wonderful time of worship? Really, really was. And uh, tell Austin, I'll get him next week. It's wonderful. All right. So, when you fast, Derek Prince, I think, was the gentleman who first said it. The Lord didn't say, the Lord, the Master, the Messiah, our King. He didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. Just like he said, when you pray, but the Bible does say, if you sin. 
we've, we've turned it around. But it says here, when you fast, Matthew chapter 6, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, obviously, we're doing a corporate fast, and so we will all know that each other are fasting to some degree. You have the freedom to fast how you choose. It's between you and the Lord, but of course, we will be aware of that. So, in a series that Derek Prince many years ago did on secrets to answer prayer, he said this, and, and I know the context of this, he was speaking about fasting, but he says this, I'm going to continue with some of the secrets of answered prayer. In fact, I'm going to deal with one specific major key to effective praying. And although this major key is clearly presented in the Old Testament and right through the New, I think the majority of Christians are unaware that it exists. The failure to use this key is one main source of ineffectiveness in the body of Christ. No doubt you are wondering what the key is. However, when you hear it, you are not likely to say, praise the Lord. And he's talking about fasting. Secondly, he made another statement, but by prayer and fasting. Let's go read Matthew 17. This is actually coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, the three disciples went up the mountain with the Lord. He was transfigured before them. And then they're coming down from this incredible experience and they come down to a situation with this boy. And it says, When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now let me just pause and say, this is after Jesus has trained his disciples. This is towards the end of his time on the, on the earth with them. And these guys, we sometimes see the disciples as these kind of like they didn't really know what they're doing. But when they ministered, the testimony of Jesus was, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. They came back saying, even the demons submit to us in your name. They were well versed in a sense, had some experience walking alongside the Lord. They were the most um, equipped people on the face of the earth at the time for supernatural ministry. They were. They had great success, but here they had an issue. And it says, Jesus was very kind to them. He said, O faithless and perverse generation. He said, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured or healed from that hour. Notice again, he had epileptic fits. Jesus called it a spirit. Doesn't mean that every time a sickness is, but it often is. And he rebuked the demon, and the boy was cured or healed. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now some people have said this kind, Jesus is actually talking about unbelief. This type of unbelief doesn't go out of your heart except by prayer and fasting. But in Mark 9, it says, when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said, this kind does not come out, comes out with, by nothing but prayer and fasting. So whether he was talking about the spirit, whether he was talking about something in the heart of the disciples, it doesn't actually matter, even though I believe it's actually talking about the spirit. But both apply, and both are true. Both are true. Because fasting is not, doesn't turn God into a vending machine. It changes you. It's true. It changes you. So let me ask you a question. Was it God's will to heal and bring freedom to the child? Yes. Yes. When these highly trained disciples, supernatural ministers of the Lord, sorry, someone's asking me on my iPad to share the password with them, so I'm going to put you on airplane mode. God bless you. It says... <laughs> These highly trained disciples equipped 
agreeing with God's will, praying according to God's will, yet it never happened. Hello? Doesn't that, is it just them that happens to you or you? And me? Yeah. Because there is a spiritual battle that rages. And so often we, we see the sovereignty of God as, well, if it's God's will, I'm going to say it, then it's going to happen. And sometimes it doesn't. We say, well, it must not be God's will. This is the scripture. It was the Lord's will. It didn't happen. So the master had to come and say, actually, there's something else required here. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He that would overcome the devil in certain instances must first overcome the heavens, and by that he means the spiritual battle, by prayer and conquer himself by self-denial. Then they will have victory over the enemy. So in our walk with the Lord, as we walk through life, we will come to doors that no matter what we do seem to be shut to us. They just seem to remain closed. Can I ask you one more thing? Can you pass me my keys down there under the chair? Sorry. Thank you, guys. Sorry for, for all the back and forth. In my hand, I hold a key. Now, I know it's just, you know, for the house, and it looks nice and everything. But these are normal keys. This is not a normal key. This is like fasting. Because either we can say this wasn't God's will to heal, but it was. It was God's will to help this boy. But they couldn't do something. They needed another key. Fasting is like this key in my hand. It's not normal. It's not like these. It's not a key we use every day. It's not a key that we're accustomed with. It's not a key that we're familiar with, that opens all the regular doors that we need to go in and out of. It's a very specific tool that God has given us to open doors that unless we use it, will remain shut to us. Fasting is such a key. Because the Bible says we've been given all we need for life and godliness. Not some, all. All. So turn the key. So, we're gonna, I'm going to try as fast as I can and as best as I can to approach the subject as if people have never fasted before. So I'm going to try to be simple and practical. Firstly, do not let the enemy put burdens on you or condemnation. If you're on medication, if you are in a certain stage of health, there is no pressure to fast then we've missed the point completely. Be free. Hello? Be free. All right. So fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is to abstain for food from spiritual purposes. Abstain from food for spiritual purposes. So some people say, well, I'm going to fast social media or Facebook or what, I don't know, all the other things that they have now. I, I get lost behind. See, I can't even say it right. But uh, I, what's an Instagram? I don't know all of these other ones. I'm not on social media, but they fast social media or they fast YouTube. Or, now, that's great because it's the heart of fasting. It's the heart of something that, in a sense, sucks my time, my affection, my focus. I'm going to put that aside. But biblical fasting has to do with food. That's a good thing. It's a good practice. But biblical fasting, in terms of if you want to define it, has to do with food. And you get different types of fasts. You get a dry fast or a total fast, like they did with Esther, no food, no water. I would encourage you not to do that. They did that for three days as a nation, to turn an entire nation and save God's people. Don't do that unless the Lord specifically tells you to do that. And in today's world, I would say speak to a medical professional. Because there's a lot of toxins and stuff in our body that they didn't have back then, and it can be dangerous. So please just be wise. But... A fast, when the Bible says the word fast, it means water. Drink water. And then there's a partial fast, which we'll cover. A lot of people call it a Daniel fast, but there's, there's a few actually. But just, you know, I, I always try to start just eating fruits and vegetables because I really love meat. And, you know, I find if I just go from what I'm eating just to water, it affects my kidneys really badly. I start to feel very, very sick. I get extreme headaches when I stop drinking coffee, those kinds of things. So I just try to slow it down a little bit. And so I encourage you, it doesn't have to be extreme. Because it's not about, it's not about how extreme it is that makes it more powerful. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. So, fasting is linked to prayer. We cannot fast without prayer, otherwise it's just a hunger strike. Hello. Yeah. So in Acts, in Acts 14, 23, it says they prayed with fasting. In other words, fasting empowered the prayer. 
They prayed with fasting. Fasting did something to their hearts, did something to their emotions, did something to their will, to their soul that changed the prayer. Watchman, he says this, for those of you who are given to intercession, you will know what this is about. If a burden grows so heavy in the spirit that it cannot be discharged by prayer, we should fast. When prayer cannot discharge, discharge a burden, fasting must follow. So fasting is not to show others your super spirituality. By the time Jesus arrived on the earth, something that was given, as we'll see next, to humble yourself, that's why it was given, it became a point of spiritual pride. That's why Jesus says, listen, when you fast, don't tell the whole world that the, the Pharisees had flipped it on its head. Look at me, look at me. But fasting is not to show your super spirituality. It's not a way to force yourself into God's favor. It's not going to twist God's arm. As hungry as you feel, look how seriously hungry I am, God. Aren't you impressed? No, your righteousness is as filthy rags. But when you do it, it's from an obedient heart and, some, and, and just with a spiritual understanding. But it's not to twist his heart. It's not to twist his arm. It's not to, you know, I'm going to really, I'm going to not eat until you give me what I want or you're going to get real thin. And it's not to become good enough. It's not to earn his favor. Please hear me, it's not. Jesus fasted 40 days after he had heard what? This is my son whom I love. It's not to make him love you more. That's all in the mind. It's to abstain from food for spiritual growth. So, how do we approach fasting? I'll go over this real quick. With faith and with a plan. With faith, I mean, I was going to read some scriptures, but for the sake of time, I won't. Romans 14, 23 says, anything done, anything that is not of faith is sin. Now, that doesn't mean I start my car, I need faith to start my car. And It's anything that is done for the sake of the kingdom that doesn't have faith attached. By that, I mean spiritual understanding. I may not know exactly how it works, but I believe when I do this over here because of what the Word of God says, that something happens in the unseen realm. That's faith. That's what faith is, a conviction of things unseen. And I can lean on them practically. I can, I can put them to practice in my life. Not name it and claim it according to the word. Hello? And fasting is like that. But when God's people are not often aware of the truth of fasting or the power of fasting, or what the word declares about fasting, they fast, but it doesn't even often seem to have the impact that actually God designed it to have. So we need to fast with faith, get some spiritual understanding, which we're going to do in a moment, get some basic spiritual understanding of what fasting is so that we can partner with God in it and our heart is in it and our faith is in it because we see what the Word of God says. And then with a plan, I encourage you, fast with a plan. I said anything that is not of faith is sin. One of, those, one of the words of sin, we know sin means uh, to, to err, to miss the mark, but one of the words actually means to be without a share in. So when we do something of the spirit, we, do, we just go through the motions. Well, this is what we do. Why do we do it? I don't know. It's what we do. It's like we're doing something, but there's no faith attached to it or no spiritual understanding attached to it. We go without a share in what God designed to happen. We go without a share without what God actually wanted to bring about. And it's like, it's like it doesn't work. And then we train ourselves to do that over and over and over and over and actually form unbelief in the heart. Does that make sense? So, we fast with faith and with a plan. I encourage you, decide before you start fasting what type of fast you're going to do. Are you going to start like this and do that? Just decide. Decide. Speak to your spouse if you're married. Most fasts in the Bible were one day. It doesn't always have to be this long-term thing. Um, but decide what type and what length and why you're fasting. Write it down. These are the areas that I'm fasting about. They can be different for each one of you. And write it down. Write it down and decide beforehand. Have a plan. Because I find if you don't have a plan, when it gets difficult, and it will get difficult, we're like, eh, God loves me. So, you know... <laughs> And he does, you know. It's not to be overly intense. Just have a plan. Just have a plan. And it will really, really help you. So, how do we approach fasting? With faith, with some spiritual understanding, and with a plan. That simple. 
Now, why they fasted in the Bible? Now, there's a whole bunch of them. We're not going to have time to cover them all. I'm just trying to give you some basics here. But firstly, this is not exhaustive. This is, not, this is the only the, the things that fasting does. Now, fasting is simple. Lord, I need intervention. I need you. I'm hungry for you. There's something that is not coming to my ears, to my heart. There's something that I can't see. There's a problem with my child, with my whatever, someone in your family. We need breakthrough somewhere, and I've, so I start to fast. It, it, it could, it, that's the heart of it. But when we see why they did it in the Bible, it'll actually bring faith to your heart. My mother said to me, Clayton, when you preach on fasting, I'm inspired to fast. And I said, well, it doesn't inspire me to fast, so, so that's wonderful for you, Mom. But why they fasted in the Bible? I'm going to speak at length about the first one. The rest we'll do real quick. But the first one is to humble ourselves. Is to humble ourselves. Now, this is why it's such a gift. On the Day of Atonement, which was one day a year, they would sacrifice an animal for the, the, the forgiveness of sin for that whole year. You know, every year they had to do this on the Day of Atonement, which we'll read. And that day actually was, they would fast on that day. In fact, in Acts 27 verse 9, referring to the Day of Atonement, it calls that day the Day of the Fast. It just became called the Day of the Fast by the time Jesus came, in certain circles. So if you grew up as a little Jewish boy, you would know once a, once a year, everyone fasts. That's what they did for the, on the Day of Atonement. So let's read about it. <clears throat> Leviticus 16. Yes, Leviticus. It's a great book. Leviticus 16, verse 29. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your soul. That's talking about fasting. The word afflict the soul, or the phrase there, is ananafesh. It means to humble your soul. You shall afflict your soul and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins. That phrase afflict the soul is interchangeably used with fasting. Let's go to the next Leviticus 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, and you shall do no work. What is that pointing to? Grace. It is not by your own works that ye are saved. This is the day of atonement, the forgiveness of sin. He said, you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God, for any person who is not afflicted in soul. That means fast, which I wish I had the time to show that to you in deep, in, in length, but it does. Any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. That's why, and it was the day of atonement, what had become known as the day of the fast. The Bible interprets the Bible. Isaiah 58, on that day, Isaiah stands up and declares, is this the day that I have chosen? Day to afflict your souls? He stands up on the day of atonement and begins to speak in Isaiah 58 about fasting and how they were not actually doing it with the Lord's heart because they were starting to abuse the, the foreigners and the people that came into their lands and forcing them to work really, really hard because they had to not work and they didn't want to lose the money. One day a year. That's what greed does in the heart. So they're like, well, all the foreigners, they're not really from us, so they're going to work really hard and we're going to earn more money and while we all go do the whole atonement thing. But the Lord had told them, even those who are foreigners and not native in your land, they, them too. And it says in Isaiah 58, is this the day of fast that you have chosen to make your voice heard on high? So it does something in the spiritual realm. So they were commanded to do no work because you can't earn salvation. It was pointing to something, grace. And they were, they were commanded to fast, to afflict the soul. Because in the, you feel weak when you don't eat. That's just a reality. But in the weakness and the humility, you realize you can't of your own strength of your own arm fix what's prop, what the problem is with mankind. So on that day, he said, you cannot work and you need to be humble to point to the fact that you need a savior. You need Jesus. 
Amen? So, if you read the Old Testament, if you study the Hebrew, I don't have the time to get into it, to fast, the words fast, the phrase afflict the soul, the phrase to humble oneself, and often the phrase to mourn, those are used interchangeably. If you were a little Jewish Hebrew boy, you would know when they said the words, we must humble ourselves, they literally meant fasting. They meant fasting. When the Old Testament says to humble yourself, it meant fasting. David said in Psalm 35, I humbled myself with fasting. Same word, ananafesh. Psalm 69, I chastened my soul with fasting. So it's interesting. Fasting is the biblical method to humble oneself before the Lord. Why does he give us a physical act? Because, you know, people have said to be humble is not to think less of yourself, it's just to think of yourself less. Well, try humble yourself in your mind. Who do you think about? Yourself. It just, is all, it just doesn't work. How do you humble yourself? And so the Lord said, all right, I'm going to give you a physical act. That's why it's a gift. I'm going to give you a physical act that you can do that causes you to be humble in my sight. That's why it's a gift. And it doesn't have to be, well, I'm going to fast, you know, 29 days of every month. That's, that's crazy. I mean, obviously, you can't do that. But people get so intense with it. Most fasts in the Bible were one day. But for individuals, those who have longer fasts, when you start fasting, especially if you just drink water, you go through a process called acidosis. It's painful, your tongue gets white and gross and pasty and your breath smells no matter how many times you brush your teeth and you smell everything. You know, like sometimes a pregnant lady can smell everything. It's like that, but stronger. And it's, it's not fun. And your blood starts to go to all old parts. Like, I have old injuries from when I was a boy. Like six, seven, eight, when I fast, they start to ache because the blood actually is cleansing and it goes all through the body and starts to cleanse old wounds and in the spirit, old wounds begin to rise in the heart. There's a whole chart, I wish we could get to it, about the things that happen in the natural that happen in the spirit. You get hungry physically, you get hungry spiritually. But the first, and then you hit a day of like breakthrough if you're doing a long fast. Some people, it's the third day. I'm like jealous. Third day, they're like, no, I feel great. I'm not hungry anymore. Hunger pangs have gone. Your hunger pangs will go away. That's why when it says of Jesus when he fasted 40 days, it says he hungered. Because your hunger will go away. You go read books and study on fasting. It'll go away. You literally stop getting hungry. But then there comes a point where you get a different type of hunger. That's when your body starts to literally like eat itself. And that's medically unhealthy. It says Jesus hungered. That's what it's talking about. Fasting is incredibly powerful. They found extreme breakthrough. All medical research, breakthrough in cancer, in neural, neuropathy, in neural pathways to the brain. I mean, I could go on and on and on about fasting. Just the physical benefits. But in the first couple of days, and most church fasts, they, you know, it's a three-day or four-day. A lot of people have never experienced the other side of that because they fast until it's like really the worst and that's when they break their fast and start eating. They're like, oh my goodness, it's terrible. But if you could break through that, obviously with wisdom, with medical advice, you'll be amazed at what happens. Amazed. Fasting is so extremely powerful. It's a humbling act. It changes this famous scripture. Let's see if you guys can say this scripture with me. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from wicked ways and seek my face, I will heal their land. Humble themselves. So everyone calls a prayer meeting. They knew in the Jewish, in the, they knew it's talking about a fast. So we all stand up. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. So we call a prayer meeting and repent for hours and so that the Lord will heal the land. It's saying fast. Call a fast. Now it's interesting that fasting is said to afflict the soul. Why the soul? 
and not the body. I feel it in my body, my soul. Well, my wife will tell you, my soul is not so nice when I'm fasting sometimes. <laughs> and I become grumpy and, you know. But why does the Bible say afflict the soul? To fast is to afflict your soul. Actually means to humble your soul. Your soul speaks three languages. Your soul is made up of your emotions, your mind or your intellect and your will. The ability for you to make a decision, free will. I want, I feel, I think. Three languages of the soul. Fasting affects every single one. I've said it this way. In 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. Your appetites, your affections, and the way you think, your mindset. In 1 Corinthians 7, and I'm not saying this is a command of the Lord, it's not clear. It's talking about the husband and wife. That, you know, my wife's body doesn't just belong to her, it belongs to me. My body doesn't just belong to me, it belongs to her because we want flesh. And it says, don't deny each other, you know, pleasure and so forth. It's talking about marriage in the sexual context. It says, except for fasting, if you agree to not do that for fasting for a while. So some people say, oh, you cannot be with your spouse when you fast. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. But it does say, if one of you choose that, just in a sense, have a discussion about it. Doesn't mean you have to. It's not a law. It's not a rule. But it affects the soul. The affections, even physical affections, physical affection, the affections of the heart, the mindsets, the way we think. That's why even over an extended period of time, even your physical brain, you know, after they say 12 to 13 days of water, your brain starts to change and heal. Changes literal pathways and neural mindsets and God knew this way back when. Way back when. The appetites, the affections, physical appetite, the appetites of life. Appetites, things that God gives us. Sport and fun and family and joy and food. And God gives us these things. They're good things. But the enemies sometimes want to come along and twist them. And then empower them so that they have rulership over you. Now what God gave you that was a good thing becomes an addiction. Or that God did something over here becomes something that causes pain. So God gives us this incredible gift of fasting to just keep them right. They're natural things. Why is fasting so powerful? It directly impacts our appetites in the soul and in the body our affections and our mindsets while simultaneously feeding the spirit like steroids to your spirit man. It's the difference between two cars racing and the one goes a little bit further and, and then the one edges out and it's like a close race. Fasting is one of those cars turns around and goes the other way. That even when you're still, the gap is still growing because it affects the flesh, the old nature, the appetites, the affections, the mindset, the renewing of the mind. It directly assaults that in a good sense. And your spirit grows at the same time. It's like two cars racing that way. That's what fasting does. So, fasting. Why did they fast in the Bible? You go read it, I encourage you. All through the Bible, to humble themselves, to humble themselves, to afflict the soul, or to mourn. So, number two, to return in our hearts to the Lord. Joel 2 says this, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. I have found that tragedy or trauma sometimes, you know, someone passes or something very dangerous, almost happens, or it's an accident, whatever, any form of, it's like we get a wake-up call, sometimes it's not pleasant. A little bit after that, I'm sure many of you will know what I'm saying or talking about, you kind of find yourself sitting somewhere and thinking about your life. You're thinking about, and you, it, it like empowers you to almost make decisions and bring some change, and, but it, some, often it has, it's like with extreme tragedy sometimes, and it causes you to sit down and think like, what's happening? It's just me? No. Fasting does that without the trauma. It really does. 
it makes your heart, and you don't even know why. We don't understand why. We just obey, and God knows why. It makes your heart malleable in his hand again. Where we've become stiff and rigid, we become supple, flexible in his heart. I have found that when I'm exhausted or burnt out, I, I need to either fast or take a vacation. For real. They both have a similar effect. Vacation's much nicer. <laughs> I prefer the vacation. And I never fast on vacation. Just let's be clear. But if I can, maybe you don't have the money, maybe you don't have the time. Honestly, when I fasted, sometimes a little bit of a longer fast, it, it makes things worse for a little while. But after that, you feel refreshed, you feel light, you feel clean spirit in your mind, in your heart. Why else? Why did they fast biblically? For others. I won't go into this. Isaiah 58 talks about fasting to break. Actually, just let me read you verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? The yokes the enemy tries to put on you. Fasting. That's what fasting does. It brings breakthrough. In the, if there's a demonic issue, if there's bondage, if there's addiction, if there's strongholds in the mind, if there's fasting actually, and it's talking about fasting for other people. And he said, and Isaiah calls that a true fast when you fast for someone else. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to fast for this guy for 20, you know. No, one meal, one day. My wife, and she wouldn't like me saying this, she does this, and it's amazing to see people that she's either working with or just someone in the church. And they just go around the mountain and they can. She'll, she tells me, obviously, because we're married, because that also means I've got to cook. But, <laughs> you know, and she'll fast. Sometimes a day, sometimes two days. I, I cannot tell you how many times. Leader, you carry the people in your heart. And she will fast, and a week later, breakthrough. And they never know. Sometimes they don't even call her, they call someone else. And that's great, doesn't matter. But breakthrough. That's a true fast, fast for other people. I have many people, will you pray for my child, will you pray for my spouse? It is a privilege to do that. But I, I ask you, have you, have you turned the key? Because God gave it to you to do that. Turn it. Use it. It's a tool. It's powerful. See what happens. And it's not immediate. We want to, I'm fasting, lunch, and by dinner, Lord, things better have changed. Sometimes a little bit down the road. What did Jesus say? This kind comes out by nothing but praying and fasting. Did he call a fast? No. But he had fasted. It was stored up within him. Fasting for others. Times of mourning. The disciples of John, Matthew 9, came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? You hear that? You see that? They say the word fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? You see the interchangeable word even in the New Testament? Fasting, mourning. Fast, mourn, afflict the soul, humble yourself. It was interchangeable. Now, why is this important? The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. One of the descriptions that the scriptures give to the Holy Spirit. When there's tragedy, when there's trauma, in the Old Testament they would fast when they lost priests, judges, kings, prophets. They would fast 20 days, 30 days, 40 days as a nation, as a family, as a group. David fasted when his son passed away. I've encouraged people, and I continue to encourage people, when there's trauma, when there's loss, when there's difficulty, I encourage you to fast. You don't feel like it. But they do this still in Africa, in many places I've seen. And I've seen it in some tribal contexts. I'll tell you, they don't grow up in those places bound by all the physical issues, soul issues, you know, we tell people today in the Western world, just keep yourself busy. Don't think about it. That is like the opposite of the Bible. 
because it's painful to think about it. It hurts, and we want to escape pain. That's normal. The Bible says fast, and it'll make it worse. For a little while, it will. You'll come to that point of breaking. But after that, it's out of you. It doesn't twist you up for years to come. You're free. It's not even your fault. Someone died. Something happened. Some Fast. I encourage you because strength is, joy is strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is strength. And when you lose the joy, you lose your strength. So the Bible, they used to fast for trauma, for tragedy. Fast. Because the Holy Spirit, is a, there's a supernatural joy and there's a supernatural comfort that comes through it. Peter says this, likewise ye younger, 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 7, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. Peter, raised as a Jewish boy, a Hebrew, did he mean fasting here particularly? We don't know. Maybe, we don't know. But he says, it is still, he also knows that fast, that to humble yourself or to fast is the physical act to humble yourself. He knows that. He was raised under that. So he says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I have found in fasting that I am, it's easier for me to release the things to the Lord. And it's easier for me, I suddenly become more aware of his care for me. For he cares for you. There's only two jobs in the Bible in, in terms of in this issue. You can humble yourself or you can exalt yourself. I think it's Luke 11:14 or Luke 14:11. Maybe it's both. I always switch those. The Bible says, humble yourself or you'll be exalted. Exalt yourself and you will be humbled. I'm here to tell you the Lord is better at exalting you than you are. He's also better at humbling you than you are. So choose a job. Humble yourself and let the Lord, at due time, reward you in the open. Like, let him do it. He's better at it. So these four, we're going to have to close, are what I call the essence, or what people have called the essence of true fasting. To humble yourself, to return to the Lord in your heart, to intercede on behalf of others and to mourn. That is the essence of a true biblical fast. True biblical fast. But they fasted for many other reasons. These ones are actually very exciting to me, but I'm out of time. I'll just read them to you quickly. For wisdom, revelation, and understanding. Daniel received a vision from the Lord. He received spiritual insight. And he said he fasted because he needed understanding. He needed wisdom. He needed to have some understanding, and he fasted. And there was a great spiritual battle that takes place. But one of the things I want to point out is it says here, Daniel in 10 verse 3, says, I ate no pleasant food. The word is chemda. Verse 11, when the breakthrough comes and a heavenly being visits him and touches him, and you just go read about it. But he says this, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, same word in the Hebrew. So what the scripture is teaching you then, Daniel, is I chose to put off something desirable and I became desirable to heaven. Same word. Same word. It brought breakthrough. But then he says this, from the first day, he's speaking to Daniel, from the first day you set your heart to understand. From the first day you set your heart to understand. Actually, I'm going to read this to you. You guys, you guys are good for this? Thank you. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself fast before the Lord, your words were heard. I have come because of your words. Please hear that. Because fasting empowers prayer. I've come because of your words. I've not come because you're hungry. I've come because of your words. Because of what you said and your prayer that was empowered by fasting. Why else? Oh, let me quickly tell you. When, I, when we fasted, when we came into this building, we had $5,000 in the bank of the church. We were losing $3,000 a month. Not a good situation. We called a 21-day fast. In that 21-day fast, my son got miraculously healed. We have doctor's reports. And we got a check 
that paid for everything that you see here. And we went $70,000 over budget, and I had another random meeting, and they gave me a $70,000 check. From, it's awesome, yeah. But 21 day fast. And then when we signed the lease, a little while later, now we've signed the lease, the Lord came to me in a dream and said, I want you to fast until the lease was signed. And we were, you know, it was like there was no issues. I thought, great, like a couple of days. 32 days. It wasn't just all water. I ate stuff, you know. Because after that dream, in a sense, all hell broke loose. And that we had to go back and forth on contracts. Then I started realizing, well, this is for business. Think about it. If you're a business owner, fast. Fast for your business. Fast for your income. Fast for your family. And I said, Lord, Christmas is coming. So, like, we must be done with this. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I signed two days before Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. But also, you fast for warfare, for God's intervention of times of crisis and calamity. Go home and read 2, Corinthians, oh, sorry, 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat's prayer. He says, these enemies have come against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It says, there he proclaimed a fast and gathered everyone together. And it says, they all stood together before the Lord, seeking his help in the fast, man, woman, and child. That's what we're doing. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday. doesn't mean those are going to be these amazing prayer meetings. It's just going to, some of them are going to be difficult because you're hungry and you don't feel like praying. But they sow into the spirit. Warfare for God's intervention in times of crisis, calamity. Nehemiah did that. Esther did that. All through the Bible, they did that. Crisis, calamity, we must call a fast. Direction. I encourage you, go read Ezra 8. It says this, He proclaimed a fast at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves, there it is again, before our God to seek from him the right way for us, for our little ones and our possessions. And our possessions. Have you ever fasted for your family? For your possessions? For direction, you're lacking direction, lacking purpose, you're looking for a job, you're not sure what job to get, you need this, I don't know what to do, should I move, should I stay, should I buy that house, should I not? Fast. Literally. There's a scripture. It's in the book. Turn the key. Clarity comes. It's a tool. Use it. And then we'll end there, pointing leadership. I encourage if you in business, especially if you're in ministry in some sort, don't appoint leaders without fasting. The New Testament, every leader, they fasted. They would fast, pray, and appoint. Fasting is an exceptionally powerful tool. And, the reason, and these are just some of the things you see in the Bible. There's many. But it's one of the ways of God that has been long forgotten in the modern era. But it's, it's here, and it's powerful. Be wise. Please be wise. Download the stuff that you can get on the web that gives you some practical guidelines. We're going to come here together Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Different people are going to lead each night. We're just going to be one hour. I encourage you, what you're fasting for personally, careers, jobs, your children. There's a gentleman in this church whose son was afflicted with the disease for many, many years, and he just eventually had enough. He said, I've had enough. So he decided to fast one day a week. See, it's not always this one day a week until breakthrough came. And that day he would take a little bit aside and worship and fast for his son. For two months his son was better. It's not always like this. Charles Wesley, he commanded all those under his care to fast twice a week. There's a gentleman right now on the earth, and I won't say his name, who is moving in tremendous power. Signs and wonders. People are getting saved in the thousands. He fasts for seasons every second day. I'm like, good on you, buddy. Lord, please don't ask me to do that. Please don't ask me. <laughs> it's a very powerful tool, but it's always a matter of the heart. Amen? So I encourage you to come out, come pray. It's going to be one hour. Write down what you're fasting for you. 
At the back is what we're fasting for as a church. But it's exceptionally powerful. Bless you. Why don't we stand? I'm going to ask Josh to come up. Can, I, can we pray together? Can you guys just repeat this after me? I was going to put it at the back. Don't have to repeat it. Just if you'd like to. I wonder if you just, we could close our eyes just together for a second. Say, Lord, we come to you as your people with all various issues in our hearts, in the nation, and in the world. We proclaim a fast to seek your help, to seek your guidance, and to humble ourselves before you. We do this together. We do this as one. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Amen. I just want to say thank you for visiting. If you're visiting with us, please make sure you get a gift on the way out. It's got a lot of information about uh, Free Life Church and ways you can connect with us. We have a prayer team over here that's ready to pray for people and add a word of knowledge for healing for anything wrong with the head or the foot. So if you guys have problems with like that and want some healing, come on up. Otherwise, go get warm. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us or share any needs or comments you have. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. We are excited to introduce a new way to build relationships within the Free Life family. Dinner for eight. Sign up to share a meal with others. Groups of eight adults will be formed to take turns hosting dinner for the group over several months. Groups can be singles, couples, or families. Check out all the details on our registration page. Sign up now through March 20th. Bon appetit! Calling all men. Plan to join with other men on March 25th for a night of worshiping together. This will be a special night of encouragement in the Holy Spirit to take your place as strong men and leaders. Ladies, it's your turn for some bowling fun. Join us on March 26th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the branch in Leesburg. Registration for bowlers is limited to the first 24 ladies. Sign up now through March 22nd. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give toward the work God is doing through us. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events, holiday schedules, and weather closures by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text Free Life to 41400 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.